Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan from the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And it's a Send Central Citizen Saturday. Yes, we have our friend Tyler Ray joining the show at Defense Minister on Twitter. Great conversation with him. Awesome story about being at the first ever Ottawa Senators game. And man, it feels like forever since the last Ottawa Senators game, but that could change. Rene Lavoie had a big report, although it's unconfirmed. We're going to roll with it because this is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Saturday, November 7th in Pilsy. Rene Lavoie, a reporter for TVA Sports, unconfirmed but tweeted this out. The NHL is still hoping to start next season on January 1st. The league hopes to make an official announcement as soon as possible. It could take another week to 10 days. Lots of work to be done. I mean, most of that we already knew. They were aiming for January 1st. There still is work to be done. But how nice is it that we have a little more gas in getting this to the finish line? Let's be clear. This is unconfirmed, so we're not sure. But we're optimistic here, so we're going to roll with it because it has been too long since we've had NHL hockey. Saturday vibes. Yeah, Saturday vibes. Optimism. Let's go. And how I just feel like it's it's a good idea because January 1st, you start 2021 clean. The anticipation on December 31st, you do the New Year's Eve countdown. You have your big night, and then you know they're doing afternoon games if that's what if that's how they're going to start on January 1st. And how awesome would it be? This, again, is just talks of this, but they talked about doing an outdoor game to kick the season off at Lake Louise in Alberta. That would just be magical. Like, that, that is the ultimate outdoor rink and the mountain setting the beautiful lake the crystal clear ice like that would be the best outdoor game ever and to kick off the season like that would be unreal so I'm hoping for that but I don't care where they play just get me NHL hockey as soon as possible they could play in a back alley they could play at Sandy Hill Arena they could play at Navin Arena I'm sure Pierre Dorian would appreciate that but I think the fact that Lake Louise is even on the table tells you that the NHL wants to go big here in one way or another. They lost the ability to do the Winter Classic this year. Always a big money grab and a really fun event too. We haven't been to Winter Classics, but going to all these Sens outdoor games, it it does add such a cool atmosphere. So if they can do something special and memorable, I think that's the key word here is you want to bring your fans back with a bang because like Ottawa Senators fans, 241 days now since they've seen their team play, Like, I want to watch Brady piss somebody off. I want to see Shabby smooth through the neutral zone and stop up, make a smart heads-up play. I want to see some saves as well. And we'll get to a specific birthday as long as he doesn't get hurt during the show. Uh, We'll save that for after our Send Central Citizen. But, Pilsy, it's always incumbent on what the NBA is doing. Now, Shams was the one that tweeted out, and we brought this up on yesterday's show, The NBA is aiming for December 22nd. So 
that timeline works out. But are you worried that this is too soon for the NHL? I mean, we're looking at a situation where they're going to be taken from their families for Christmas. Like, how is the whole holiday situation going to work out? Yeah, I don't really know. And this is so weird planning to start a season January 1st because, yeah, you're looking at having training camps and quarantine during the holiday season, which is going to be a real tough sell for NHL players, especially the ones who were in the playoffs for a long time. Like imagine being the Dallas Stars. You're in the bubble for months and then you get one or two months off and then you got to leave and be away from your family during the holiday season too. That's tough. Yeah, well, it's even tougher for Tampa because they probably drank their weight in alcohol, too. I don't think they're ready to start a season anytime soon. Yeah, but I don't feel too sorry for Tampa. Championship uh, hangover is a lot better than uh, the hangover you get from losing the cup final, that's for sure. So no soggy sorrows for the Tampa Bay Lightning from me. Yeah, flags fly forever. But here's what uh, Shams tweeted out saying that sides are discussing a 17-18% escrow with the hopes of risk returning to normal in 2022-23. That's all money stuff. Who cares? But what does matter is fans. And he's also saying that they want fans in the building for the NBA. Now, of course, everything's fluid. A vaccine would play a role in this. But the NBA's goal is to allow fans, depending on market restrictions, have the social distance. Courtside, for example, would be 10 to 12 feet apart. And they want to have arena suites open to fans at 25 to 50% capacity using protocols such as masks, social distancing, and coronavirus testing. Do you think it's realistic to expect fans to be tested going into stadiums? I don't really know. To be honest, the the idea of bringing fans in, I I don't like it. Obviously, as a fan myself, I I would love to be able to go in. but I would be at the first game. For sure. Yeah, yeah, I know you would. The only the problem that I see with having fans in is no matter how many fans are, you're gonna social distance, uh, follow all the protocols, et cetera, et cetera, is getting into the arena, the lines, and getting through security and doing all the safety protocols. That's that's an area where people are gonna bunch up, and you're not gonna be able to socially distance the bathrooms. I don't know how that works, and leaving the arena. If you think thousands of people are going to exit a game after their team lost or won or who cares in an orderly fashion and take 45 minutes to socially distance and spread out to leave the game you're crazy it's not going to happen people aren't going to do it so I don't know how you do it with fans I would love for there to be fans obviously the teams want it it's it's a matter of revenue right but for me I I would like to see it done the safest way possible if we could somehow do it just televised at least for a while because a vaccine isn't isn't close so we're not there yet but what do i know this is like this is all uh this is all way above my pay grade that's for sure well you bring up a couple good points and i'll throw another one at you if they do have rapid testing and that in itself would be i think a big victory what happens if they test a fan on his way into the game and he has it then what everyone who's in front of him in line might or behind or close there's just so many pieces of the puzzle that need to be put together for this to, to go smoothly. But I think the NHL proved by how they handled the bubble that they're up to the challenge, the NBA as well. So I'm just excited for the Sens' next game. But I always love hearing the old school stories, how everything started. And that's my favorite part of Sens Central Citizen Saturdays, asking fans how they became Ottawa Senators fans. It's a great community we have going here. And Um, Without further ado, let's get to our chat with 
Tyler Ray at Defense Minister. All right, we're now very pleased to welcome this week's Send Central Citizen. It's Tyler Ray at Defense Minister. You know him on Twitter from the guy when the thread starts coming. You know it's a guaranteed must scroll. Tyler, thanks for joining the Locked On Senders podcast. How you doing, man? Appreciate you having me, guys. I'm a big fan, so uh, happy to, to chat sends. Well, we always get big picture stuff from you, and that's not to say that you aren't in tune with the everyday stuff, but I love your big picture view. But I got to start with how we start every Send Central Citizen. What got you initially into Ottawa Senators hockey? Well, I'm uh, probably one of the fewer groups of people now that uh, can say they're a day one Sens fan. I, uh, I actually attended opening night at the, the beautiful Ottawa Civic Centre with my father as a teenager and uh, uh, was there for the maybe Rome uh, was built in a day win there. So I, I've been around for uh, some really embarrassing times. And then uh, so when people reference how things have uh, gone the last little while under uh, this ownership I don't have much to reference back to to back when the the franchise first started and how how horrible those years were until they parachuted Jacques Martin and Pierre Gauthier in. So, yeah, it was it was great. I I was a big message board guy for for a long time, talking about the Sens, and that sort of graduated into Twitter and uh, kind of making my thoughts more succinct uh, in the 280 character format that Twitter allows for. So that's that's where I've kind of. Uh, continue to, to place my thoughts and follow the team that way. Yeah, we uh, we love you on Twitter. We've been following a long time since the making sense of the Sens day, so throwing it way back. And speaking of throwing it way back, I, I don't want to brush past this. You said you're at the very first Ottawa Senators game ever. Like, bring us into that moment. Like, what what is the atmosphere like? What What's the crowd reaction? Does everybody have merch already? Like, what's going on that very first day? What I remember on the merch end was that, uh, because I don't know if you guys recall, but when they first launched the team, they had a different logo. They did the Peace Tower. So a lot of people bought that up front before they like, oh, no, we're going with Centurion. I remember going in a healthy amount of the crowd, had some Peace Tower <laughs> merch on. That quickly changed over time. Uh, the Civic Center, they did it up a little bit, you know, obviously from, from when the 67s had it and they, they tried to retrofit a, an NHL team in. But really, it's a junior arena. So... You're very much on top of the players. That that experience is very different, but it's you know it's ten thousand people as well. It's not a full NHL. Everyone was very hyped, very psyched to have an NHL team. Did not care how terrible they were because they were really terrible. It was it was embarrassing to to watch, but it was just fun to go to NHL games. Yeah, well, you still carry that Parliament logo as your display photo on Twitter. Now, I want to ask you simply: Should that be the Sens reverse retro? We're seeing some of them come out, and the Sens just went back. To the 90s logo so that would be the natural fit how cool would it be to see that logo make i was gonna say a comeback but it was never seen on the ice i personally would love it it, it would uh, just certainly justify me having that twitter logo for, for that long <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah I, I love what they've done with with uh with the new unis and going back to the 2d as well so uh that would be kind of fun i think as a you know one-off to have here and there if they, if they were even if they were going back and doing an outdoor game or something like that and they had the, the special uh, uniforms for that one game I think that would be fun so who was uh, Ross and I we did an all-american uh, team episode a little while ago and we stumbled upon Mike Peluso 
a tough guy that was uh, on the Sens that first year. Who was who one of the guys on that expansion roster? Like just a really funny, wacky guy that always sticks out in your mind. Because that we we were gushing over the amount of penalty minutes and the the fighting skill that this guy had. I hadn't heard of him till we looked him up, and then now all of a sudden we love him. The first year was pretty – like, there were very few options. Like, Sylvain Turgeon was the big get, right? That, that was the guy that, that people kind of knew about. Uh, also, Mike Palouse had a great mullet. He, before oh, yeah. Paddock Wonk, he was the originator of, of, the, uh, of the mullet. Uh, they had a couple – like, Darcy Lowen was a guy that was, like – the crowd loved him because he was all energy, uh, just a little guy that would go. Uh, I used to love Darren Rumble, the defense, I think more because of his name than anything else. He had one of the best hockey names out there. That first season, uh, Brad Marsh had like a cult following. Uh, he was right at the end of his career. One of the last guys to not wear a helmet anymore. He got into the All-Star game because it had like a veterans category or something like that that year. And so he somehow got in. He was not fun to watch on the ice, but everyone, he had like this this uh, very dedicated fan club that was there too. So there, it was more characters at that point because you knew none of these guys were really going to stick around for very long. Uh, they, were, they were just... You don't get the Seattle and the Vegas expansion draft options that you did uh, back then that you do now. So I'm, I'm sorry. Did you say that Brad Marsh was in the All-Star game that year? Yeah. He, he was, was minus 29 and had three assists in 59 games. No yeah. goals. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it was an amazing year. <laughs> that is unbelievable. And just looking through that, there's one player who's still in the NHL. What were what are your memories of Rick Bonus being the head coach of that team and now watching him still succeed now 30 years later? Yeah, it was it was fun to watch uh him now because that's one of the fond memories. Everyone kind of I think at that time knew that he was you know, dealt a a rough hand for for what he had to work with. For any of the younger listeners of the show, his record that year, 10 70 and four how do you stay positive with that yeah I, I don't know like I don't think there was ever a thought that I think generally amongst the fan base he was looked at as a good coach and and just he didn't have much to work with so that was never and when they they brought in uh Dave Sparky Allison that's when we got to see what a really bad coach was so so you could you could really see the difference there so I, I think he generally I think most people that followed the team back there have really fond memories of Rick Bonus even though uh, the teams didn't really perform at all. And really cool, too, that Elaine Vignol was one of his assistants. So despite yeah. how little talent there was on the team, they had two gems behind the bench that would go on to have long and successful, well, still ongoing for both of them, careers behind the bench. Uh, I want to jump ahead now to going forward. Now, we've had so much time, 241 days to dissect this Sens roster and the changes that were made, how much did the Sens improve from the last game we saw until what you expect to see on the ice in game one of next season? That's a hard one to say. I like uh, like some of their moves that they made in the offseason. And obviously they're incorporating a lot of those guys that we've all been waiting for into the lineup this year. I'm really scared about the defense. I, I don't know what necessarily they're going to get out of that if, if that's even much of an improvement over what was on the ice last year. And last year was not a, a strong uh, defensive core overall. I think Murray and Nets should help stabilize things because Andy, obviously, you know, being at the end of his career, that that uh, what he was able to, to put out there wasn't uh, as strong as what we'd come to expect from him. So that should help on the goals against. To me, it, it's more about what the young guys are actually able to do production-wise. We know what they probably will end up being down the road, but for this season, how much they're, you know, ice time they're given and, and what kind of responsibilities and how they can really... Uh, impact the play but otherwise you know I, I don't 
they're probably better than last year. I'm not going to make any strong pronouncements at this point, just because there's going to be a lot of new additions in yeah. there. You know, there's some like obviously that enough is is a great. If you're kind of swapping Duclair out for him in terms of lineup, I like that as a, as an improvement a, a fair amount, and that's going to help the power play, which I think is a, a real uh, soft area for them. They needed a sniper, <laughs> and and, yeah. and they got one. Big time. Yeah. Now you mentioned earlier, uh, you were a little worried about how the decor is going to kind of look this year with who they have. So with the options they have now, how do you see this decor shaping up? Like our big question today on the pod was, who do you want to see start training camp on Shabbat's uh, side on that pair? What's your, what's your first initial reaction to that? Well, I think the problem that I might have, I don't know, based on the options that they have currently on the right side, there's not really anyone that, that really sh- um, sticks out as oh yeah this guy should definitely be there I think until they're waiting on younger guys to come up and, and sort of fill in that role in the future. so these these are much much like stop gaps that are there who I who I'd love to have there I I guess I prefer Zaitsev to be there now and that's holding my my tongue because I, I don't really think he's a great option to start with but <laughs> uh I, I don't know what else because I also I think that's the most likely like if I'm if I'm looking at what they've done in the past and how they feel about him, that's probably how it how it goes. And Thomas Shabbat can drag a, a partner around a, a fair amount, uh, maybe not to the degree Carlson could, but but he has that ability. So in some sense, you can shelter that guy a little bit by having Shabbat on his on his other side. So you're saying that you don't think that it's imperative that they find a longer term lasting I was saying that maybe if you go Josh Brown you could see it developing over a couple of years but you're more of the mind that you're waiting for JBD to come up you're waiting for Lassie Thompson and hoping that one of those two can fill that void yeah I mean that long term I think that's probably the more realistic option if you're trying to build out like your your ideal pairings and and what you think would would work for an elite team that's trying to compete for a cup Josh Brown is, is interesting more just because we don't really I think many of us haven't seen him. I've, I've watched a little bit of him, and I think bottom pairing guy seems to be where where he is. But you never know. Once you get him in there, maybe he surprises. The if I'm looking for like a Philip Kuba comparison, the guy that that was that was Dylan Demello. That was when he played with Shabbat. Dylan Demello is probably not a top pairing D, but when he played with Shabbat, it worked well. And that's the same with you know Kuba and Carlson. It was uh, it worked well that. Uh, they just complemented each other, and and he could play up in that spot. You know, to a lesser extent, with thought with Carlson, same same idea, right? Where you have a guy that's not really a first pairing, but they they fit the rule because they they have good uh, chemistry. That was tough to watch Demello go, uh, especially when it was a third round pick. When I I almost felt his value to the Senators was worth more than that, but that's the way things go. And I w- I wanted to get uh, last question for me. You uh, tweeted about Philip Schlappick a couple days ago, and that's kind of an interesting topic. I think there's a bunch of other prospects in similar positions like Schlappick where you're like, they kind of have to show us what they got this year, or they're running out of time here, right? Is there, Schlappick being one of the options, is there a prospect that you can see the Sens either moving on from if they don't get impressed by them this season? Yeah, I mean, I guess who you term a prospect not because Nick Paul's probably in that group, right? Where at least he's going to get a he'll play every day. Yeah, he'll be a bottom six guy, I think, as far as a sense. That, but if he doesn't really distinguish himself, then I could see them moving on from to make room for other guys. I guess I would throw Rudy Balsers in 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 that mix too because he's he's a little bit uh, 
older than, than kind of the, the other wave of prospects they have. Uh, Schlappick it fits more in that, that category too. But it's, it's guys that they haven't really got a chance to – I would love to know what they can do. And the only way you know it, what a guy can do is you give them a good stretch of games and play them with half-decent line, line mates. You don't have to give them power play time or anything. But that's a little bit of my frustration with the, the team and the coaching staff is, is they're really reluctant to just – let these guys go in there. I, I put Logan Brown on that, that boat too. Just have them play for half the season. That These are years that you do not – it does not matter how you finish uh, results-wise. You know it's not going to be good either way. So you may as well see what you have with these guys, and then you can make your decisions, more informative decisions, and not you know necessarily give up on a guy that can come back to haunt you later on. You want to know what he is right now. You saw that a bunch with Logan Brown, not even cracking 10 minutes when he was playing in plenty of games last year. Like at some point you either know what you have in them or not. And where it gets really interesting for me is Balser's Schlappick. I think there's only room for one of them, even in the organization. To me, Schlappick's now a left winger. I think that the center position may be a little too much to ask for him in a 200 foot role. I think he's getting better at being defensive and you saw him adjust his game to be more of a grinder, which I'm sure DJ Smith, has been telling him, like, I want you to hit everything out there and separate pucks and create chaos. And I think Schlappick can do that a bit more than Balser's, but Balser's upside offensively might offset that. Now, last question from me, Tyler, is more of a bigger picture question. And we saw the NBA announce that December 22nd is going to be their comeback date. How long can the NHL realistically go further than that before they lose their foot in the marketplace where – you're seeing the NBA play and you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to watch the sport that's on. Should the NHL be nervous of being out of sight, out of mind? I don't like the NHL as a whole is probably going to survive regardless. Right. The, the, I think they're, they're okay. And I, there's, there's obviously TV concerns with NBC and the Olympics being this summer and, and how, because they kind of have to end this season at a certain point and their playoffs by a certain point, because they won't be able to have their games televised otherwise. Uh, so that's going to impact maybe number of games in a season. Uh, I worry a little bit more about smaller markets like Ottawa, um, just doing things like hitting payroll and things that we are, are a little <clears throat> concerned about. I don't think the interest would go away necessarily in, in markets like this, but certainty is always good. You can't plan with, with uh, without the knowing dates and deadlines and things. It's, it's very hard. I just I feel so bad for the centers. They've been off the ice since March. And uh, they have all these young guys they want to be playing and, and developing and, and getting into games. And they're just sitting there. And, and I mean, some of them are loaned overseas, but for a lot of them, they're just rotting, sitting down. You want to get them up and running and, and playing. And you can't do that until you have that, that time frame out there. I lied. Last, last question, because you made <laughs> a good point. You mentioned the Sens that are playing. Of those guys, which ones impressed you the most? Have you been catching any of the highlights? I mean, it's an easy answer to say, uh, uh, Robbie, but I, I think I've looked a little at uh, Brandstrom and he got kind of uh, held up with, with uh, the, the issues going on with the team there with, with Clovis, uh, but that's the guy I'm in, interested in to see uh, what this year does for him. And I think going over and playing there, uh, I liked what I saw of him in the, in, you know, the, the start of the, the Swiss season that, the, that he was, the, the games that he appeared in uh, because I think this is a huge year for him. So that was the one I was, I was kind of keeping my eye on the most. And Well, we'll continue to follow that and follow you on Twitter at defense minister, Tyler. Thanks a lot for coming on the pod. Hopefully we can get you back on down the road. Appreciate it guys. Anytime. Love talking sense. 
Stick taps to Tyler for joining us. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Defense Minister. Great, great follow there. How funny, Pilsy, that the last question, we recorded that yesterday afternoon. I asked about the NBA versus the NHL and how long could the NHL go? And then, boom, the Renault Lavoie tweet comes out. So maybe a little bit of foreshadowing there, but we'll get more into that as things progress, of course. But Pilsy, goalie-friendly show. We've got a birthday, 38 years old. Pascal LeClaire. Yeah, goalie-friendly show. So you know we're going to give our uh, love for the attendees, especially on their birthdays. And Pascal LeClaire, like, what, like, the curious case of Pascal LeClaire. Like, what a, what a career path this guy has had. How, my question is, the Columbus Blue Jackets are known for making some very questionable draft choices. I mean, geez, look at their last draft. They picked a guy no one that had on their radar at all that in guy, the first round. That guy's killing it right now. But go back to that era. You're talking like the Doug McClain GM era. Nikita Filatov comes to mind right away, also <laughs> former senator. I was going to say, yeah, we can't, <laughs> we can't exactly chirp when we went out and traded for these guys. But pa- like Pascal Leclerc being drafted eighth overall in the 2001 draft is such a head-scratcher for me because his numbers in junior with Halifax weren't even good, but let alone great. It's the cue. But still, still, like, I'm, I just can't believe he was drafted that high. I mean, I'd have to go back at that draft class and take a look. But the craziest part about Pascal Leclerc is just the injury troubles this guy suffered. Like, I don't know what this guy did to piss the hockey gods off, but they, he was as unfortunate as it comes. Like, to get an injury while you're sitting on the bench and you have to have reconstructive surgery on your face – that is a tough move. I think he had hip surgery like three different times. And if you're a goalie and your hips um, are struggling, hips don't lie. Like that's that's gonna be tough to get back into into the net if you if you have problems with your hips, especially if you're a butterfly goalie. So, Doctor Pilsy, <laughs> it's really unfortunate that that's the way uh, his career shaped out. Uh, Ross, I sent you a, a video of Brent Wallace doing a player profile for Pascal Leclerc years ago. We'll tweet out that link because it, it is hilarious. The way this guy deals with the media too is pretty interesting. Yeah, well, goalies, fighters, they always make the best analysts. They're always outgoing and and like to have a good time. Although, yeah, some of that sarcastic humor was kind of weird since they had a first-round exit after expectations weren't met the year before. And he missed 70 games over a two-year stretch with all these freak incidents. So, sick setup, though. I got to give it to him, the, the barber pole style on his pads. It's a sharp look. Not a huge fan. His mask looks like it's huge. I don't know if... Like, maybe he got hurt sometime with a puck going through his mask. I have no idea what, what's going on. Hey, if there. I'm Pascal Claire, I'm wearing the biggest, safest equipment possible. you got to do everything you can here. Yeah, no doubt. Well, the good news is that the Vermette trade, which is how Pascal Leclerc came to Ottawa, it was not all for nothing because that second-round pick also in the trade became Robin Leonard. So you got a goalie at the time, and you got a goalie in the future. But Pascal Leclerc, I would say doesn't crack my top 25 favorite sense goalies no he's he's pretty far on the list Uh, but it's just it's just so interesting his story and he retired after his time with the senators like that was that was it so tough to see it happen like that and there was high hopes for him coming into ottawa that's for sure yeah there's huge hopes like this guy was an eighth overall pick antoine vermette was a beloved player in ottawa and that was the return for him it was uh underwhelming to say the least yeah i'd put him right next to Br- tom Barrasso on my uh power rankings of of favorite sends goalies 
So program note, we are off tomorrow. And then next week is gearing up to be a big one. What we're going to do is focus on prospect by prospect and not only try to get them on the show in one case, and we don't tease guests until we have the interview in the bank, but we have one of the Sens draft picks of this season booked for this week. And we also have the father of a Sens player that just so happened. So it's going to be a good week ahead, eh, Pills? Oh, it's gonna it's gonna be a great week, and uh, I guess I'll I'll tease just a little clue. Next week is gonna be very Cape Breton themed. We'll give you that little that little nugget. And look, what we like to do, what we do with Send Central Citizen Saturdays, bring other voices on, get different opinions, get not just not just reporters, not just uh, people that cover the game, but all facets of the game we're trying to look at here. So I think you guys are gonna really like the interviews we got lined up. Stay tuned for that. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.